for the Bible we call walk worthy of your vocation. Walk worthy of your vocation. And open up to, uh, well, Jeremiah 29, first of all. We're going to start off with that. Amen. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 in the NIV. Now, this is, this is, this is interesting where this sermon is going today. The Lord really changed it yesterday and changed it this morning. And even changed it during the service. Either that or I was too dull of hearing. I started picking up on more. But anyway, we got what he wants to say to you now. And so, uh, in our theme verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And somebody might have thought, well, I didn't know God had plans for me. Well, that's why your house is confused and messed up. That's why your life is confused and messed up. Because how are you going to follow the plan if you don't know that there is a plan? And so he says, I've got plans for you. Everybody say, God's got a plan for me. I want to know the plan, and then I'll follow the plan. Well, good. Today's going to be a day you get to see more of the plan for your life from the Word. Okay, he says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. No matter who you are, what you've done, no matter how many horrible decisions you may have made in life, God says it's not too late because you're still breathing. As long as you're still breathing, then God can still turn your life around, even where you are today, and not only uh, write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life and get to go to heaven, but then Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God can get heaven down to you where you are now, so your life is much more blessed than you can imagine. He says, plans to give you hope and a future. Plans to give you hope and a future. Well, I'm going to give you another little uh, definition of plans today that the Lord popped this on me this morning. So I thought, wow, this is, I gave you one definition of business plan the other day, but this not in your notes because I just wrote this down. But I looked this up and I want you to see this plan. A drawing or diagram, blueprints. Anybody ever heard of plans? You, let, let's see the plans, blueprints, things. Uh, Pastor Dave, you can bring that up here. It says, uh, a plan is a drawing or a diagram, blueprints. And so you build things with plans. And I'm going to talk about plans. Dave, go ahead and roll that. This is some of the plans for our church. This is some of the plans for the building you're sitting in specifically. And uh, these, these are really old because for this building right here, what, hold that up. What page is that? That's the lighting plan for the second floor of this church. What's already up there right now. That's the plans that each page has different things. What's this other next page? This page here is the power plan. How many know it takes a lot of electricity to run all this stuff? Here? So there's the power plan. You've got a lighting plan. Is there another page here? This page here is what? This is the, uh, the plan only shows changes to existing plane three, whatever that is. We don't have a plane, but blueprint readers note it. And so anyway, this is some of the floor plans of the church. So each page has a different aspect of building this place here. Thank you, guys. Each place, each page has a different aspect. And so God has pages in his blueprints for your life. God has a page in your blueprints that says church life. God has a page that says family life. God has another page planned for your life called your job life. God has another page for your life called raising your children life. God has another page called your hobby and recreation of your life. And so anyway, God says he has plans for your life, and I know that uh, in, in our church we've got guys like Chuck. Is where Chuck goes? He, Chuck. Chuck builds by plans. Where's that? Robert, you bring the thing out to me. Yeah. We got somebody back there. Okay. Here, here comes the man with part of the plans, and I know we have Jeff Copey. Uh, Copey's raise your hand. There's a there's a Jeff, an architect, and he builds things by plans. Now, this right here, this right here, you'd have no idea what that is, would you? Uh, you'd use that for a pulpit, couldn't you? 
Anyway, that there just looks like a whatever it is, huh? That thing's got a name to it, but let me tell you what that is. Our church has had leak problems this building for a while here when it rains. And because it didn't rain but about once a year, we didn't have to deal with the problem very much. But anyway, over the course of time, we got lots of leaks. We had lots of repairs, lots of things that people did in this church over the years. So one of our guys in the church that's a smart guy went up there looking at things, and he designed a thing to put over our big drains. We've got great big drains all around this building here. <clears throat> and he, he drew some plans, which to me, they would have meant nothing to me, but he took them to Chuck. Chuck is a master builder. He's a fabricator. Chuck knows how to listen to this. I'm going to use a word. I know these words, Chuck, because I used to drive a truck and I used to have to deliver to places like that. These guys were always talking to me in front of me, so I picked up some of the lingo. says, what's the specs? They build them according to the specs. And so this, this man drove these things out on, for Chuck, and he measured the holes. He measured around what he needed to do. He put numbers on there called the specs. And he put ways to bend it and to do things. And he took it to Chuck. And Chuck didn't just say, well, I've never been up there, but I'm going to do this how I want to. I think I've got a better plan. You know what I think we ought to do? Here's what I think we ought to do. Now, Chuck looked at the specs and somebody had already knew what we needed. He cut. He bent. He welded. He did the things that he could do according to the specs. And now we got some professional roofers hired. We're going to spend $30,000 on this church. This is not part of the sermon, just what's going on. And so we got we got a professional company going to come and tear the stuff out up there and put a new one in. And they're going to install these over the drains. And we're going to have a leak-free building for years and years and years and years. Amen. Thank you, Walter. That's good. Thank you very much. And so what I'm saying is this. For your life, God said, I've got plans. Too many Christians are saying, well, I've got plans too, God. And then God says, okay, well, when you're tired of losing, let me know. And get, let's get on the same page. You ever heard the expression, uh, I want to be on the same page? Well, God wants you on the same page. Amen. Amen. And God doesn't want you to get stuck on recreation page. There's more to your life than recreation. God doesn't want you stuck on job page. There's more to your life than work, work, work. Amen. You got to work, but there's more to life than work. God doesn't want you stuck if you've got children. God doesn't want you stuck on husband and wife page. There has to come a time you have to flip the page to give children time too. But at the same time, you can't get stuck on children page where all you do is children, children, children. My life revolves around my children. Oh, I love my children. My children, 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 children. You're stuck on that page. Your life's going to sink. That's just one page of your life. And same thing with the church page. There's many pages of your life, and then just because you get on the right page, now listen to this, this is fresh stuff God gave me today, if just, just because you get on the right page, if you don't build according to specifications, then you're going to have a perverted life. It's not going to go according to plan, because you didn't build according to the specs. So we're going to look and say, that word specs there, I keep throwing that out there, I said, I don't know that stuff, like Chuck, these guys know but I know all the time, when I used to be a truck driver years ago, I'd deliver these big building projects, see all these guys with those yellow hats on and white hats on and blue hats, and they'd always tell me, go talk to God the red hat. I go see the God the red hat. Go see the God the white hat. I got tired of the hats, but anyway, I guess that neither here nor there. But they all said the same thing. They'd look at it, they'd look what I were delivered, and they'd measure and look and say, that's not according to specs or... That lines up the specs, we'll sign for them. We'll take those because that's according to specs. You know what? If you want blessed by God, listen to what I'm going to talk about today. Because you may be on the right page, but if you're still not following the rules, the specifications, then you're still not going to have a good life. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand. He's talking to people today. He's helping people today. And so, uh, if, if you're spending quality time in prayer, now listen to this. This is just some little nuggets that will help you understand how this works. 
You need to spend quality time in prayer with your Bible, prayer with your Bible, prayer with your Bible, because the Bible's the plan. The Bible's got the specs. And those guys that I used to live with, matter of fact, believe it or not, I've got a son-in-law that builds super domes around the country. He started off when he first married my daughter years ago. He started off as the third guy back in Indianapolis over the built the big Pacer Stadium, the Indianapolis Colts Stadium. He has a third guy control there. He went and built the Charlotte Stadium, Charlotte Hornet Stadium, then went down to Orlando Magic Stadium. And now he's over projects where he's doing it all himself. He's the top architect guy over it that oversees those operations. And so I know the whole thing was some of the little bit of stuff he told me that I was doing. Those guys diligently, no matter how much they've done it, all day long, they look at the specs, they look at the specs, they look at the specs, they look at the page, they look at the page, they look at the page. In my life personally, I'm still looking at the pages for God's plan for my life every day. Every day, I look at the specifications. I look at the specifications in my life, how a Christian's supposed to live, how a Christian's supposed to talk, how a Christian husband's supposed to treat his wife. How a Christian dad, even when his children get older, is supposed to relate to their children. How a Christian grandfather is supposed to relate to their children. I look at the specifications. I got a page that most of you don't have. I got a page that says pastor, teacher. I looked at the page this morning, several pages of my Bible this morning, about the specifications for a pastor and a teacher. I looked at the Bible. I do my best. I do my best. To fabricate, and fabricate's a word that's in Chuck's business. That's called fabrication when they put those things together. It's not fabricated a lie. It's called fabrication. And so Chuck's a fabricator. He puts things together. He makes things out of metal and works things. He fabricates it. And so I looked this morning at how the office of pastor is fabricated, how it's supposed to be put together, how it's supposed to look when it's done, and how it's supposed to benefit people. And so for your life, you need to look every day, every day, every day. No matter how long you've been saved, you need to keep on going back to the prince. If you're deviating, getting away from the plans, you need to get back to the plan. Amen. And so quality time in prayer with your Bible and with a journal. Buy you some kind of a spiral notebook. Buy you some kind of a something where you start writing some things down about what God said you from the Word of God. Write some verses down, looking at things. And anyway, when you do that, you're going to start getting things together. Well, 2017 will be the best year you've ever had so far. I wouldn't say 2017 is the best year I'll ever have because 18 is coming. It's going to be better. 2016 was the best year I had so far, but now I'm in 17. It's going to be best so far. Amen. I'm very cautious about what I say because I've learned in the plans... In Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, I'll have what I say. I'm not going to limit God and say 2017 is going to be my best year ever. No, it's going to be my best year so far that 2018 is going to get better. Amen? That's part of the plan. Your mouth, your tongue is hooked up with the plan. And so you've got to watch your tongue. So anyway, uh, if you get this through your heart, in your heart and in your thinking process, I would say, now listen to this, 50% of your struggles in life are won by your outlook. By your outlook on life. And so, uh, I know that a big key to a man like Chuck's success, 50%, I, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'd say 50% of what he does depends upon what he sees. Because if he doesn't see it right, then he's not going to put it together right. But I know that, I know it's like when our man took the plan to, to Chuck, he said, I took it to him and said, could you do this? We saw what it was. He said, I can do that. And so I just want to say for you, 50% of your victory over whatever you're facing right now, if you look at the plan, you see in the plan what the Bible says, then you can start saying Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Luke 1.37 says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Our verse for the year, Jeremiah 29, 11, 50% of your life struggle for this year could be overcome by just looking at Jeremiah 29, 11. God's got a good plan for my life. God's got good, good things for me. God's got a future to hope for me this year. And then you can boldly say to the devil, because he's your opposer, 
You can stick your finger up there and you can say, Mr. Devil, I'm telling you right now, you're defeated. You've had that over me long enough. Your power's broken over my life. God says you've got a good plan for my life. And 2017 is going to be my year. 2017, I'm winning right there. 50% of your battle is over with. Amen. Now, I want to say this. I want to say this. Now, back to Chuck. Well, I'm so glad Chuck's here today. Man, I kept seeing his face today. I knew Chuck's going to be the man of the hour today. And so I know that when Chuck sees the plans, even if they put a down payment in his hand and give him some money, and he's got the materials, he still doesn't have a satisfied customer yet. He's got to build it. That means he has to set up a schedule for what he's doing in his shop there. He does a lot of stuff. He has to set up a schedule. He has to determine on his priority list of projects he's doing, who stuff he's doing stuff for. I've got to make time now to fabricate this product and put it together. 50% of the battle's won. He's got it off the page in his head. But now he's got to go to work. So I want to tell you, 50% of your battle is one, when you see the word of God that says you can do it. Now you've got to go to work. You've got to put it together. Just because you got the blueprints doesn't mean you got the product. God will help you build the product, but you got to build. Is this helping anybody? Amen. Amen. And so uh, you've got to fight the good fight of faith and always be willing to change and grow up spiritually. Always be willing to change and grow up spiritually. Uh, you know, I, I can't get away from Chuck. <laughs> Chuck, have you ever had a customer bring you some prints and you did exactly what they wanted, but it still didn't work? You had to revamp it and change it? Okay. You know what I've learned in my life over the years? Somebody think, man, pastors got it made. They never have any problems. You ought to be at the top. You know who the first darts come at to destroy a church? They come at the generals. They come at the head head people of the church. And so we have to pass a lot of tests to even get to here. You know that before we get up here, we sit out there in those same seats for a lot of years before we got this far. We was on that side where we got on this side. And then God saw that we passed the test. He called, but we had to be proven. So we passed the test. And so because we passed the test, we recognize a lot of things you're going through because we used to be there. We're here now. And like Joyce Meyer said years ago, don't forget it. Another level, another devil. The higher you go, the more the thing is. And so, and so there's lots of things over the years. It's went this way in my life. The Word of God is all good, all true, all real, all for me. It's all for you. And so... One of the biggest ways I've learned the Bible is this. Through some of the tests and trials of life, I've stood on scriptures, I've stood on scriptures, and then that battle still went downhill. So I said, okay, I'll find some more scriptures. So I'd dig in, get more verses, more verses, more verses, and I'd lose again. I'd say, okay, we're going to revamp. We're going to do this then. And I just kept on standing on the Word, standing on the Word, standing on the Word. No matter what happened, because the Bible... Me in Second Corinthians two fourteen, I always triumph in Christ. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says He always gives me the victory in Christ, and so I stood on those scriptures, and then I look at the plans and say, okay, we're going to make an adjustment here, and then we'd adjust what we were doing, but never change the word. As so I'm telling you right now, that you've got to be willing to grow up spiritually. Amen. And I'll tell you, can I tell you something else? You're not going to grow up spiritually if all you do is read, read a verse off of YouTube or GoofTube or something every day. Or whatever the tubes are. You know, I know there's different things. Praise God for Bible apps in modern times. But I like what Pastor Dave said the other day. Last Sunday night when he was teaching, what did you say, like 45%, four, four, four hours a day or something people are addicted to? Four and a half hours a day, the average American spends on a smartphone. Do all the different things. That means some a lot more, some less. And so like Pastor Dave said, he said, sometimes I want to go and look at my verses on my smartphone, but said all of a sudden something else pops out there. I see it. I get distracted, don't even get to that part because something else grabs me, so I'd rather open up my own Bible and look at it, I've learned. 
And so I'm telling you, if you're dependent upon your smartphone to give you some Bible verses, chances are before you get there, you're going to get distracted with something else. And then you're going to look at that. And you're going to forget to look at the thing. So maybe, maybe sometimes we ought to lay down our own smartphones and look at our real Bibles. Amen. So that's how you're going to grow spiritually. You have, to, you have to make some choices to grow spiritually. So anyway, as you study God's blueprints and plans for your life, if you'll build, if, if you'll build, put together every area according to the prints and specifications, you'll have a great 2017. And now I want to look at a page in the blueprints today called your job page. Somebody said, I didn't even know I had a job page. Well, God knew it. You got to look at the plan. Look at Ephesians chapter four, verse one. What are you preaching about today, Pastor? Something I never preached before because Jesus told me to preach it today. So I think it's pretty cool when you start seeing things in the Bible specifically about your life that's going to help you to grow. And I thought it was really neat that Kathy today brought in those job opportunities in the high desert. Because that's right in line with what the Holy Ghost is saying to the church today. This is so cool. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1, looking at King James, says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. The vocation wherewith you are called. A vocation, I looked this up, that definition is a strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or occupation. A strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or occupation. A person's employment or main occupation, especially regarded as particularly worthy and requiring great dedication. Something that's worthy and requiring great dedication. That's a secular definition even. Or vocation simply is a trade or profession. A trade or a profession. And so two things we're going to notice here. Number one, you need to consider your job or career a calling from God. God does. You need to consider your job or career a calling from God. I personally, after years and years and years and years of walking with God and being a pastor to a lot of Christians... I personally believe God plants the seed in us at birth and wires us to think and be drawn to what he has planned for us to do in life. That from the time we're, the time we're born in this earth, God starts putting in our hearts, in our DNA, what he wants us to do in life, what his call is on our life. And I wrote, I wrote down just briefly thinking about it, the different kinds of jobs represented here. In my family and your family, the different kinds of jobs, the different kinds of callings on our families. I've had college professors as part of my church. Public and private school teachers and administrators. Military people. Military contractors. Walmart. Fast food. Sit-down restaurant people. Servers. Cooks. Factory and warehouse workers. Truck drivers, yay, like truck drivers, (laughs) security workers, secretaries, supervisors, preachers, highway workers, nurses, doctors, lawyers, politicians, real estate people, automobile mechanics, salesmen, judges, city council people. God needs everybody in our society. Everybody gets planted in their heart by God a direction of life. That's God. Open up that page from the time they're little. Show them that blueprint in their heart, what God wants them to do with life. You know, I think about, you know, some of the, some of the things I read out here. There's no way. I love children. We have eight children. Have a lot of grandchildren. I love children. God did not call me to be a school teacher, sit in some school, but somebody else's problems all day long. I don't want to do that. 
And then put handcuffs on me because of political correctness and tell me what I can't do to help those kids. I wouldn't want that for anything. But I'll tell you what, there's people in this church that they would do nothing else in this whole world, no matter what comes up against them, tell them how they can or can't do it. They wouldn't trade their life for anything except to go in every day and get to help children be what God wants them to be. Go there with the anointed God, go up there every day, no matter what their child is, say, man, I want to be with these kids. But then at the same time, I've got school teachers that uh, wouldn't want to get up here and do what I'm doing on Sunday morning for anything. They say, oh, man, I, I can't talk in front of people. I said, what do you do all day long every day? <laughs> well, I can't talk in front of people. Okay. And then I think, I think about, I think about all the other professionals we talked about. I've never worked at a fast food, but praise God for fast food workers. But you know, fast food workers probably don't want to get up here and preach either. They probably don't want to have somebody that's fighting like cat and dogs and say, Pastor, we're having real family problems. Can we make an appointment coming to see you this week? They probably said, no, I'd rather, I'd rather do hamburgers and chicken. You know, I'd rather do hot dogs, but don't let me talk to people and try to help people. So what I'm saying is this. God is the one that plants things in people's lives for the direction they want to go. And, uh, yes, Tim, God even does call pig farmers. <laughs> Amen. We have lots of farmers in our family back in Indiana. Tim's in the pig farm business. He loves, he loves that. Amen. How many like a good ham on Easter? How many like pork chops? How many like bacon? <laughs> how, how many would just love to cut a pig's head off? <laughs> no. <laughs> how many would just love to wrestle with pigs in the mud? <laughs> Believe it or not, we were in the mini farm business back in Indiana. We did pigs and lots of animals and stuff like that. And Mrs. Pastor didn't know if these guys started preaching. They used to get to wrestle with the pigs of the mud when I was gone. <laughs> oh, that's because Mom brought out the rod of correction, yes. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying is this. The list goes on and on and on and on. God's the one has a blueprint for your job life. And so we're not all called to the same vocation and a couple of things to think about. This this has just stirred your thinking. Now, j- just think about these things. Are you happy with the vocation you're currently in? Are you happy? Uh, is is that on the page that God has, or did you jump a page? So, is where you are in the blueprint? Uh, are you and God both looking at the same page for what you're doing in life? I want to say that one more time. Our church wants to help people according to the Word of God. If you're not totally happy where you are, I'm not talking about having some bad days, good days sometimes. But your heart, if your heart's not excited about going into your job, your career never has really been, then maybe it's time to stop and say, Lord, what page has my job on it? What page has my career? Do you need to pray about making a change? This is my main message today, but things you need to consider. You need to consider, are you on the right page for this job life? And I want, to, I want to say this. I've done a few things in my life in the job arena, but I'll tell you what. I would be just as happy driving a truck today as I would standing right here preaching. I loved, I loved being a Christian truck driver. I loved driving 18-wheelers. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. God really had to move on me to get me out of a truck to go preaching. But I loved it. I did not hate my job. I loved my job. If God called me today to go back to trucking, even at my age, I'd say, thank you, Jesus. Man, I can't wait to get into a truck, man. Let me smell that diesel. Well, probably can't smell it now for all the stuff they do now. But <laughs> whatever, that smell probably be gone. But I love driving trucks. I love seeing people. I love going places. And so I want to say for you and for your job, look at Tom. Was you 35 years there when you retired? 42? Wow. He's on the same job for 42 years before he retired last year. I think Tom must have loved his job. Amen. And some of you others have been on the same thing for lots of years, too. Well, I'd say Tom on his job. See, my job here is the same thing. Now, it's not a job. It's a calling. But I guess you call it work. But I call it my living out my dream. I love preaching like I love driving trucks. And that's what God wants for you. God wants you loving your job. Amen. We're going to see why that's so important. He said to walk worthy of the vocation. So the second thing you need to see here, walk worthy 
of the vocation you're called to. Walk worthy of it. And so worthy means having or showing the qualities or abilities that merit recognition. Synonyms for worthy, because God said walk worthy. If God said something, that's some specifications, by the way. Okay? Just because you're on the job on the right page, if you don't follow the job and build on that job according to the specifications, you're going to have a goofy life still. God said on the job, you're supposed to walk worthy. And so synonyms are good, moral, ethical, upright, principled, honest. Principled, honest. And I can say, you know, we have, we have several business people in our church, but I want to say this. I've never, ever, ever, I've been here this, my 12th year now, I've been here 12 years, I've never heard the name of Chuck Coleman ministered or Century Welding without hearing nothing but good stuff. I've talked to so many people in this town over the years that they've never, ever, 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 ever said one bad thing about that man. They've always said, he's the best, but we need it done, we go to Chuck, we go to Chuck, we go, we go to Chuck. Well, he's the best of there, we go to Chuck, we go to Chuck, we go to Chuck. And to me... Chuck doesn't have a big head either. I can say about Chuck and his head doesn't swell up. Because Chuck's very, very serious with his Christian life. He's very serious with his job life. That, that, that that's the reputation God wants. Tom on his job for 42 years. I guarantee you, I know Tom. The reputation on his job, I will guarantee you. He went out there to the, to, what's it called? 20 mule team borax. Boron mines. I just think about Death Valley days when I think about that. But, uh, well, I, I guarantee you, I've been there 42 years, the way he smiles, loves, lives his Christian life. I guarantee you, on his job there, people say the man's honest. <clears throat> He's full of integrity. When we need the job done, we bring Tom in. We wish he could have, we wish he could have stayed longer. He only, he was only here 42 years. We wish he could have been here longer. That's the kind of reputation you need to have on your job. They need to go to you. When they have new employees come in, they need to send them to you. Where they have people need mentors, need to send them to you. That's what God wants. God wants you on your job to be the first to say, thank God she finally quit. Oh, glory to God, man, she finally left. I, I know when I was in trucking, I had, I had this, one, this one job I was on. <laughs> this one boss so much didn't like the way this one guy worked. Every day, he laid away every day. He said, he said I've got your letter dismissal on my desk. I just wait until the day I can use it. He said that to this guy, and he said it in front of everybody, and the guy lived up to his expectations, too. I mean, you know, he didn't change what he was doing, but it was a union, so he couldn't fire the guy. But he told him, said, man, I was waiting for the day where I can get you. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, this is the guy that everybody looks up to. This guy I call on, where the going gets rough, I call him. This is what I need. Amen? That's called walking worthy. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about... Your job, in God's eyes, is a calling. I was called to trucking. I got born again, and then I listened to the overall call, called to pastoring. You know, what you're doing in life, nurses that listen to God see that as a ministry. School teachers that listen to God see that as a ministry. I know that Chuck sees his business as a ministry. And I know that everybody in here that's a serious Christian following God's plan, you see your job as a ministry. Matter of fact, let me tell you on my job how I looked at how I prayed all the time. I'd walk out to my semi in the morning time for I would go to people's places. <clears throat> I'd look at my semi and I'd say, that's my chapel on wheels. That's my sanctuary. That's what I ride around in all day long. And when I'm back into somebody's warehouse or truck dock, that might be their dock, but this is my sanctuary. And they step into my trailer, they're mine. Amen. I cannot tell you how many times over the years the prayer of salvation was said in those semis that I drove. How many times I laid hands on people and got them healed. How many times I laid hands on people and got them filled in the Holy Ghost and left my trailer praying in tongues. How many times I cast the devil out of people that possessed that oppressed of the devil. Did that in my trailers. You know why? I saw my job as my ministry. And you know what else? I've been in restaurants before. 
And I know we even got one minister that works at the cash register at Walmart that prays for people even at Walmart. <laughs> that's a ministry of Walmart. <laughs> Amen. And I know for each and every one of you that's serious about your job, you see your place of employment as a ministry, too, because God put you there. Now, how could you minister successfully in your ministry if you hate being in your ministry where you're at? That's why God wants you joyful where you're at. Mean people can't help other people. And people get mean when they're out of the will of God and they're unhappy. But when you're in the will of God, and for me, I love driving trucks so much that if I could have, I would have paid them to let me drive their trucks. I love preaching so much that I would pay the church to let me preach if they didn't pay me. I don't do things just for the money. I do things because I love God. It's in my heart to do it. And you ought to have the outlook on your job that you love your job so much, even if you didn't get paid, you'd do your job anyway because that's what you love doing in life. Them better preach than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. And so uh, God's plan for you is do your best for your employer. God's plan for you is to do the best for your employer and live a good, clean, clean Christian life that your boss and fellow employees can look up to. God wants you to fulfill dual roles. Produce profit for your employer and produce for the kingdom of God. God wants you to produce profit for your employer and produce profit for the kingdom of God. And let me tell you something. When you are a profitable employee, that's a joy to be around, that customers ask for you, that people miss you when you're not there, et cetera, et cetera, that opens a whole lot more favor door if you're boss to be able to do what you need to do for Jesus. I know that one time uh, that one of my companies I was at, this was back in the 80s when uh, jobs got pretty scarce right after, in the late 70s, we had some things going on in the country that wasn't good. Jobs got scarce for a while, especially in trucking. And so anyway, our company really downsized. They cut people's overtime off, et cetera, et cetera. I never was an overtime person anyway, man. I wanted to do 40 hours. I wanted out of there. I just, I mean, man, I was loved to do it, but I wanted, I wanted to go do other things. And so anyway, I was a Christian. I was a fanatical Christian. I was so fanatical that uh, in the office one day, had a Baptist secretary, I laid hands on her, started speaking in tongues, right in the office. <laughs> Things like that happened all the time. I led the mechanic to the Lord right out there in the middle of the dock, and everybody, whoa, what's going on out here? I mean, that, those things happened all the time. But anyway, they cut the overtime, I'll get to a point, and I wanted out of there anyway, so man, come five o'clock, I had my time card in my hand, man, I was watching the clock, man, I wanted to be the first one up there, I wanted out of there. Well, we had a boss... That was a sinner. He wasn't saved. As married to a Jewish lady. And how do I know these things? Because I wanted to go home. And all the guys, the, the overtime hogs, they wanted overtime. And they got mad at me because I'd be over there clocking out several times. And the boss sat in a glass window in the middle of the office over there. He'd see me and he'd knock on the window. Get Bernie over here. Tell Bernie to come in here. I said, it's five o'clock. I want to go home. He'd call me in there. And he'd say, uh, Jesus say anything to you today? He say, well, you've been reading the Bible. He said, well, my wife being a, being a Jew, he said, but I, but I, I just know there's something different. Says, just tell me about Jesus. We sat there and so talked for two hours, all about Christianity and Christian things and stuff like that. And the home office, 500 miles away, said no overtime for anybody. He called me in, and those other guys get mad. How'd you get overtime? How'd you get overtime? I said, Jesus gave it to me. Oh, quit preaching to me. I said, I'm not preaching to you. You asked me a question. I said, Jesus gave it to me. He said, oh, what's he talking to you about? Is he talking about us? And I said, no. He wants to know more about Jesus that you guys don't know him. I'm the only one he talked to. Amen. So what am I talking about? I, not bragging on me, bragging on the Bible, bragging on Jesus. I read the Bible. I lived the Bible. 
and my life was read by others. So he would call me in to want to know questions about Christianity. And then he'd go back and talk it to his Jewish wife. Whatever happened, I don't know. The guy left. So I don't know. I guess he's there long enough to get what I had. Then he was gone. But I'm just telling you, that's what God wants. We're living two lives. We're living our life for Jesus. We're living our life for a job. But the thing is, like these blueprints, it's all one building, just different pages for different phases. Your life is all one life. There's lots of pages to your life. And so you've got to learn what's on each page and build accordingly. Amen? And so the thing is, he says that we, we need to do our best for our employer if we're going to walk worthy. And we need to live a good, clean, clean Christian life that people look up to. And so I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible. And show you how these things all work together in God's master plan. God's blueprint for your life. This is not the New Living Translation. This is the Living Bible. And here's how God wants you to produce for him. No matter what your vocation, we all have one thing in common. I want you to look at this. Paul said this. And by the way, Paul, Paul did tent making on the side. He was he's not only a great apostle. He is a tent maker. And I like the way Tony Cook explained that to us for people who studied the Bible. That lots of times when the Apostle Paul and his crew showed up in an area, Jesus had never been preached yet. So there wasn't church with offerings to support his ministry. So he would work with his hands making tents to get income to live on until they got a church established. Then churches could support offerings. So he had to work to support the gospel until there was churches established. And so Paul mixed in with a lot of different kinds of peoples. And he said this, what I'm with the Jews... I seem as one of them, since they will listen to the gospel, and I can win them to Christ. And I can win them to Christ. When I'm with Gentiles who follow Jewish customs and ceremonies, I don't argue. I don't argue, even though I don't agree. Christians, your middle name's not argue. Amen. Your middle name is called to love. Not argue, even though I don't agree, because I want to help them. Because I want to help them. What happens if you win an argument about religious things, but the person is up going to hell because you won the argument? Amen. When with the heathen, I agree with them as much as I can, except, of course, I must always do what is right as a Christian. I must always do what is right as a Christian. Oh, boy, one more little story. Boy, this stuff here is so good. But in my Christian life... I'll be, by the way, I'll be 37 years old, January 29th, 37 years old, January 29th. Somebody said, well, that guy looks more, he looks a little bit older than that. Well, the body I live in will be 66 this year. But 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, well, I was born again, become new on the inside. So the person on the inside in the eyes of God came into existence on January 29th, 1980. So I'll be 37 years old. And so the guy that used to live here. Used to hang around taverns and bars, parties, drinking, all that kind of stuff. Used to shoot a little pool. Some of the guys here at the church were first married seminar found out that a stick was still hot. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> went to a place where first marriage seminar here where they had a pool table. Played a little pool. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm going to lay this down. I don't want to make these guys mad. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but I'm telling you a story. And so... I, when I got born again, quit going to taverns because Christians shouldn't go to taverns. I quit doing things I used to do because Christians shouldn't live that way. But I've got brothers that uh, aren't walking with Jesus yet. And I got a call one day. I used to get calls all the time. Hey, 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 hey. Want to go? No, 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 no. got a call one day. And uh, my brother said, hey, we're down here at the such such a tavern. said, you come down to my heart. I knew God wanted me to go down there. He had something for me to do in that tavern. And so Mrs. Pastor, Mrs. Pastor, I said, well, back me up in prayer. I'm going to the tavern. I got to the tavern, and my brother was there. And so I got a Coke or a Pepsi or something. They're all drinking beer. There's a couple, couple guys there probably in their 40s or 50s. I'd say probably 50s. And they were at the pool table. I said, hey, this is my brother. He's a preacher. So I shook these guys' hands, and what I did, I could instantly tell conviction. I thought, this is why I'm here. 
That's on these two old guys playing pool. I'm drinking my Pepsi, talking to these guys. And finally, they come over to sit down at my table. When they did, I got to preach the gospel. I led them both to the Lord. Amen. And then my brother tells me, think a couple years later, these guys that had the call of God of their life anyway, well, the older one, he went back to pastoring. And then the other one was his assistant pastor. And so what am I saying? I become all things to all men, but I don't compromise my Christian values. I went into a tavern. Why did I go to a tavern? There's two men in that tavern didn't belong there. None of them belong there. If you're a Christian, you don't belong there. But that's your business. God will let you go there if you want to, but you don't belong there. He might have to send somebody like me in to get you. So anyway, I went there, and I just sit there, make the little Mickey Mouse talk while I was sitting there until I got a chance to really hone in on them. And then when I did, God got them because I was obeying God. You know what? What point out something. I didn't have to drink beer to win them. I didn't have to drink a mixed drink to win them. I'm a Christian. I don't drink. Somebody said, well, I do. Well, that's between you and God. But I don't. Amen. I think if I would have become a boozer with them, there's a possibility that that demon would have got me again. And I'm not going back there. I live there. I know what's there. There's nothing there for me. And also, if I'd have went there, they might have thought, well, he's just a good old boy. He's one of us. No, I used to be one of you, but Jesus pulled me out. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so anyway, Paul said that he's going to do what's right as a Christian. And so by agreeing, I can win their confidence and help them too. When I'm with those whose consciences bother them easily, I don't act as though I know it all. Once again, I don't act as though I know it all. I would dare to say there's a lot of people I could win a Bible contest with by quoting scriptures. But what good is it going to do to prove that? I want to help people know Jesus. I want people to get delivered from alcohol and drugs and sexual perversion. I want people's marriages to be strong. I want people to be the kind of people their kids and their grandkids can look up to. I want people to go to their jobs and people look up to them and say, wow, that's the best employee I ever had. That's what I want to do. I don't want to win the Bible contest with you. I want to help you. And so <clears throat> I don't act as though I know it all. I don't say they're foolish. The result is that I wouldn't let me help them. Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground. I try to find common ground with him. So let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. I cannot tell you how many goofy conversations over the years as a truck driver I had to listen to just to finally get down to my two minutes to get to share the gospel. I'd sit there and listen to all the kinds of stupid stuff about sports and politics and every other kind of thing out there there is. I could care less about it, but I zeroed in on this person's heart. I wanted to get to the heart. And so I knew how to, I had to stand there. Yay, yay, that's really good. Oh, that's right, man. I'm glad your team won. Oh, that's so good. Hey, I'm glad. Oh, like that, just to get around the place. Well, praise the Lord. Now let me tell you about my team. Then we get into Jesus. Anyway, we're all called to influence all those around us in a positive way for Jesus. We're all called to win those around us. And so uh, I'm thinking about my truck driving life that... Uh, Many times as a truck driver, I lived these verses in one day. I was a local delivery driver downtown Indianapolis for years. At any given day, now listen to this. This is what I did at any given day. I might deliver to the Indiana State House. I used to have to take, they called them IBM cards back then. That's where they had those giant, giant computers that filled up a whole room. I used to have to take IBM cards up into the chambers where the laws were made for the state of Indiana. Well, I got to go in there. I had the opportunity, I'd lay hands on those desks where those guys sit at that made the laws. I'd lay hands on those cards they used to do all the computer stuff for Indiana. Uh, the governor's office. I'd deliver furniture to the governor's office, the Indiana State office building to the governor's office, and I'd even deliver to the governor's mansion. At any given day, I'd do that. I'd deliver to the control tower at the Indianapolis International Airport, go up to that big tower to take things up to them, and then... At the same day, I left the governor's mansion. I might have deliveries for downtown ghetto area, the Indianapolis for the homeless shelter. I'd go from seeing street people to these fancy people in the governor's house. 
All of one day, I thought about I became all things to all men. I, I, could, I could talk to the people in the governor's house as easy as I talk to the homeless person. I could talk to the homeless person, not look down on them, but to raise them up to look at Christ. I remember one day, well, the homeless guy comes my truck. I get my lunch out of my truck there. And then the same day, I'm down at these big fancy mansions on North Bridge Street in Indianapolis, delivered all of one day. And I walk in there holding my head up high. I dressed like a Christian, not like some ragtag truck driver. I dressed good. Every day I shaved. Every day I combed my hair just like now. Every day I put on good clean clothes. Every day I had shine shoes. Every day I glorified Jesus on my job. If I talked to a homeless person, I could talk to him. Or I went to the fancy business places, I could talk to them. They didn't look down on me. I remember one day I was sitting in a restaurant eating. And uh, sitting real close to this older guy sitting next to me. And started witness to him. And it turned out, I led him to Jesus. He was in his 70s. He was very miserable, depressed in life. And you know what the Burtek Company is here? This guy was Mr. F.W. Richards. He was Fred Richards. F.W. Richards was the Bur- Mr. Burtek of Indiana. <laughs> I'm sitting there in my truck driver's clothes. and started talking to this guy next to me. And he tells me who it is. Well, it's time I recognize his name. I sit on trucks every day, F.W. Richards. <laughs> and he's telling me how he's getting ready to retire back up and we're going to let his sons have the business. And he's just not really, just, he's just really down on life. And I said, well, Mr. Richards, can I talk to you for a minute? Oh, yeah. And we just sit there eating our stuff together, sitting side beside this restaurant. And I said, Jesus is the one that's going to give you your joy. I mean, the guy was obviously a multimillionaire. I mean, the guy was loaded. Money was no problem, so money wasn't going to give him any joy. He'd have the money all these years. I led him to Jesus right there. What was I doing? I was walking worthy of my vocation wherewith I was called. I'm called to be a minister of the gospel driving a truck. I never, ever, ever, I didn't, I didn't slight my employer. The customers wanted to see me, most of them. My fellow workers liked being around me, most of them. I'm talking about the ones that are absolutely anti-God. I mean, I have problems with them sometimes. But I'm talking about as a whole, people liked me being around them because of the anointing on me. And I called them the anointing. Can you hear what I'm saying? And so, at so any given day, I, who knows where I would be at? I'd, 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 I'd be at Fort Benjamin Harrison. Fort Benjamin Harrison, that's the only military place we have out there. Or the Marion County Jail. Or to a hospital. All the places I went. But anyway, I learned to talk to the very elite, to in-betweens, and to downers, down and outers. Now, you write, write this verse down. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And Peter said, in a nutshell, Always be ready to share your faith in Jesus. He said, always be ready to share your faith in Jesus. Always be ready. That's why it's so important on our vocation to be at the right vocation, to be at the right career. You know, I think about, we're, we're, we're going to close this in just a minute, but I think about one of my dear Christian ladies back in Indiana. Matter of fact, she, you don't return that phone call. She called last week. She's a, I don't know what to call her. Because this is not the main area of life I live in. She's a super duper, super duper PhD, DDD, DDD, PhD, DDD professor at Indiana University. And why do I say that? Well, she's been there about probably now about 40 some years. She went to our church. She always called me a master teacher because of the way I taught the Bible. She called me the master teacher, said the master taught me, et cetera. But she, she was a master teacher. What her job was, she's one of these tenured I just want to say it again, super-duper-duper-duper-DDD-DDC and all that stuff. Doctors from around the world that had to come back for higher education said in her classes, she's the one that had to fine-tune the doctors of mid-doctors. So if doctors around the world, world that were doctors had to come back to any university to keep their stuff current, she's the one that taught them. Super, 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 super. But in her vocation, in her vocation, she come to three church services a week. She raised horses, too. But anyway, whole thing was, I taught her the word of God. She was able to share the gospel with doctors from the Middle East. This is back before the 9-11 stuff really started. She'd tell about the people from that world over there, come over here. At her college, Bin Laden's, I think it was Bin Laden's son, or Bin Laden, one of, one of the Laden guys, they were part of the people that come through there before they turned to be, be really bad guys. 
being down there. And so she and her vocation with her reputation come to a church like this, got filled up, got anointed, and went to that atmosphere to help those people. So she walked in these two worlds. She is a strong Christian out there, so I'm telling you where you are. Whatever world you're in, God's called you to be worthy to him. God's called you to help them. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll close it down right here. I'm just going to read the first verse in the Living Bible. And this will help you with your uh, specs, your specifications for your work page, for your life. It says, since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, people from heaven are watching how you live your life. Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. And especially those sins that wrap themselves entirely around our feet and trip us up. And so use your time wisely. Use your time wisely. Ushers, use your time wisely. You can only go through life one time. Now, I want you to list these last few things I want to share with you. I'm just going to stir your thinking. Keep a journal. Do a time study of your life. Listen closely. There's 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. Can you believe it's already the third Sunday of this year? This is already the third Sunday of this new year. How much time looking at things on smartphone or social media and video games takes up your day? How much time watching TV and ball games? How much time in church services? That's going to be a shocker to you. When you look at seven days a week, 24 hours a day, you're measly two hours a week in church compared to that whole week, what it does. What a shocker. And they say, I wish I had more faith. Well, if you want more faith, you've got to spend more time. How much time with your hobbies? How much time going to work and at work? What are the time stillers of your life? What is absolutely necessary for you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called? Go ahead and hand out these sheets, guys. This is something I put together for my life years ago. And uh, I had them out to our leaders sometimes, and on occasion to the church. And this, this is something, this is not some super-duper uh, out of the time-study guru's books that are the really super-duper smart guys. I'm an anointed pastor. i got some smarts, but I'm an anointed pastor. And this is simple. This is just simple things that I've done years ago. And the reason I come up with this was thinking about money. I learned a long time ago. That you got X amount of money in your paycheck. Well, write down on a people pat. Start keeping track of your money. How much you spend at McDonald's. How much you spend on gas. How much you spend on lights. How much you pay for your tithe, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end of the week, you see where all your money went that week. Because you look where was that. And then you make adjustments for the next week so you don't spend it as bad. Well, <clears throat> years ago, I thought, well, if that works for money, that'll work for my time. How come at the end of the week, I run out of time. But I still had some priorities I need to spend time on, but I didn't. And so I thought, well, duh. Why don't I start tracking my time like I track my money? And so this is just so simple. So simple. All you do is when you get up, just right, got up at 7 o'clock, got up at 6 o'clock, 4 o'clock, where time you get got up. But what would you do? Well, you might put on there 45 minutes, shower, teeth, shave, hair, whatever it was you did, 45 minutes. And then if you watched the news for a half hour and you did your one little 30-second Bible devotion, you think, wow, man, I wonder why I'm so much full of fear that I am faith. Well, because you watched a whole lot more news than you did faith. And then you spend X amount of time driving to work, X amount of time at work, and then you get done and you turn on the ball game. And then you go to bed at night time, you go, now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, but so to keep. Well, write that down. You did your 15-second 15, 15 kids' prayer. And then, when things attack, and you come up to the prayer line, and you're crying, and say, just pray for me, Pastor. What about? Just pray for me. What about? Just pray for me. What about? Now, you know how many times I hear that. Just pray for me. God knows. I say, yeah, but I don't know. I can't pray for you if I don't know. Well, if you do a time study, and you start seeing what's going on, and then all of a sudden, what you have to start doing after a few days, you start saying, whoa, 
Too much TV, I'm going to cross that off. Too much smartphone, I'm going to cross that off. Wow. Oh, I didn't even go to church last week. I don't have my two R's on there. Enough said. Amen. And so anyway, what we're saying is this, is that God has a good plan for your life. And your vocation is part of it, but not all of it. But there's a reason for your vocation. It's a calling. God wants you there as a minister to help people. Jeremiah 29, 11, it's on your calendars we gave you. Uh, look at that. Brother Hagin's book, Follow God's Plan for Your Life. They're in the bookstore. If we need to get more, we will get more. You can study that book and have that on your timesheet. I read a chapter out of Brother Hagin's book. It took me 20 minutes. Amen. Let's stand up.